Welcome to the Morning Scroll. I'm Rabbi Dina Cowens from Mishkan, Chicago, and you're listening to what will be a quick dive into this week's Parsha. If you've been meaning to brush up on your Jewish literacy or you're looking for some inspiration, you've come to the right place. This week we read Parsha Titzava, Tell Him What to Do, which is a fairly accurate summary of the Parsha, but I'll do a more thorough recap. So, First, God wants only the purest of oils for the menorah. Then, Moses needs to commission special clothes for Aaron and his sons to use when they serve as priests. The high priest needs an ephod to cover his back, a choshen mishpat with precious stones to help him make judgments, the urim vitumim, which is a special paper with God's name that gets inserted into the choshen mishpat, a me'il, which is an outer garment covered in bells and embroidered pomegranates, and a tzitz, a sort of headband. All priests also wear tunics, turbans, sashes, and pants. Once the priestly clothes are ready, the priests themselves need to be consecrated with a dip in the mikvah, the ritual pool, and then dressed, and Moses offers special sacrifices on their behalf. The ritual is repeated for seven days, and whenever there is a new priest to inaugurate. God then tells the Israelites there are two offerings to bring every day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon, and God says, do this, and I promise to live here in the tabernacle. The Parsha concludes with a description of the special incense altar and the incense that needs to be burned on it on the daily. Reading this Parsha from a distance of a few thousand years, in a time in which our Judaism doesn't involve priests or sacrifices or even a concrete location for ritual practice, it's really easy to lose sight of the magnitude of the project God is instructing Moses to oversee. We might start to lose the forest for the trees, because there are just so many trees, you know? The big picture we might lose sight of in these details is that God— The actual holy presence of concentrated divinity is trying to literally live among the people. It's beautiful, it's thrilling, it's a little terrifying. We've seen what God's power can be like when it's let loose, and we're going to see in Parshat Shmini in a few months how dangerous it is to mess around with that presence. It's like trying to build a big nuclear reactor in your neighborhood. You know it has the awesome potential to generate power but also real terrifying dangers of how it could go catastrophically wrong. I like to think of the building of the Mishkan and all its associated paraphernalia as being like building a divine nuclear reactor in the middle of the Israelite camp. It helps me make sense of all the specific laws and specifications. Just like containing nuclear energy, it needs to be safeguarded so that it can be channeled properly. It doesn't cause massive harm. Of course there are a ton of specifics when we look at it this way. Nowadays, we don't trouble ourselves too much with welcoming divinity into our midst. Not really. We might think about the holy spark we see in each other, the sacred feeling we can generate when we connect deeply with ourselves, nature, or someone else. But that awesome exhilaration and fear that the Israelites must have felt taking on this building project right after seeing God's presence at the plagues and at Sinai, I think it explains a lot in this Parsha, and I hope it helps you see see it in a different way too. See you next week.